Hey, Jimbo, you ready for this deal? Better buck. <laughs> That's right. Old stories like long lost friends. Rodeos and late night bends. History before our time. Round pens and pasture rides. Cowboys of the Osage. Howdy, everybody. Welcome to another edition of the Cowboys of the Osage podcast, brought to you by the Ben Johnson Cowboy Museum and the Buck and Flamingo Turquoise Shop, both located in historic downtown Pahuska, Oklahoma. Hey, it's old Cody over here, and as always, I have my main man with me, songwriter extraordinaire, writing forwards of books extraordinaire, rodeo historian himself, Jimbo Snively. Morning, Jimbo. Who do we have today? Hey, Cody boy, it's another great day in the Osage. And Cody, we got one of the great saddle bronc riders of the 60s and into the early 70s, uh, Mr. Ralph Maynard. He made the NFR four times. And Cody, he was riding against some of the all-time greats back then, you know, Sean Davis and Larry Mahan, uh, Mel Highland, Kenny McLean, guys like that. And he held his own with them. Very Kind of the golden age of saddle bronc riding, I think. And... Uh, He's also CEO, boss, and TV star of the Maynard Buckles. But uh, we'll get into all that. But I'm sure he's got some great stories. And uh, Ralph, welcome to the Cowboys yeah, of the yeah. podcast. Thank you for having me on this morning. Well, it's our pleasure. Where'd you grow up at, Ralph? I grew up in South Dakota on a ranch up there about 30 miles from town. Wonderful country, but tough bronc riding when I was growing up. <laughs> Ralph, why why are there so many Broncos come from the Dakotas and Montana and Canada and Wyoming? Why does that produce more Broncos than anywhere else? You know, there was a, when I was a kid rodeo, and we would go to them rodeos, and it was nothing to have 40, 50 Broncos and the same place in like North Dakota, Wyoming, all that country. They're just there's a lot of that back in them days. Everybody run horses, and they had a lot of bucking horses. Nothing like they've got today, though. Right. Well, how did the kid want to be a bronc rider? How did he practice or get ready to be a bronc rider? Was it just riding broncs on the ranch, or how'd that work? Well, I rode broncs on the ranch for all the time I was growing up. My dad. Had he run like three, four hundred head of horses, and we would trail them horses to all nearby towns, thirty, forty, fifty miles sometimes. Put on the rodeo, and I got to lead them quite a bit when I was a kid. They showed me the way, and it was really a fun deal growing up. But they almost weaned me when I was a kid. <laughs> I couldn't ride none of them big horses. Finally, somebody asked me, how come you left South Dakota as a kid? I said, I left there so I could get a check. I couldn't beat them guys. And I, I went 
down south. Okay, that's why I was going to ask you where you went to get a check. Yeah, I went down south, and John Macbeth helped me, picked me up. He said, kid, you can ride, but you don't know how to win. He said, we're going to win first and second at every rodeo we go to. And we did. John helped me a tremendous lot. I stayed right there with him and his wife, Francie. Good friends. Todd Bunkrider, one of the best. Yeah, he, he's a good guy. He's a good friend of ours. You guys, uh, so you grew up and you guys were raising bucking horses, huh? I'm sorry, we're cutting out. Ralph, you guys were raising a bunch of bucking horses growing up, you said? Hello, Jim. Jimbo. Can you can you hear us, Ralph? There, I'm getting you now. Okay. Cody asked if you were raising bucking horses there on your ranch. Yeah, my dad had one big bucking horse fucked off Casey Tips one time. But we had some good books and a raised lot was a good life back then. <laughs> We're here. Were you around Casey Tibbs much, Ralph? Not too much. He was born and raised about forty miles down the river from us, but we just knew the name. And my dad knew the family good, so. But I never knew Casey that good. I just admired him as a kid tremendously, and tried to watch and see what he was doing. And he could just flat ride. What made him so good, Ralph? He was just a natural, but he knew how to float on top of them horses, and rode with his feet. No, he could ride them rank horses. Hey, how were you and John traveling back then? What kind of rodeo rig did y'all have? We went to a lot of amateur rodeos when we first started. And then finally got to where we thought we could ride the on. It was very amazing, but that's where we got our start, going there, and then they invited us down south to some rodeos, said they would buy us our permits and cards and maybe some entry money, so we went down south, and that's when we started. I think I was 18 then. Well, when I went first finals in 60, 65 at Oklahoma, first one they ever had, I was 19. But I'd done pretty good there. I won two firsts, a second, and a fourth, I think. Been a while back, Jim. <laughs> How big a check did you leave Oklahoma City with that year? You know what? I, I think the go rounds at that time paid three hundred and sixty three dollars. Mm. But uh, I thought that was a lot of money, but <laughs> what do they pay right now? About thirty thousand I think, Jimbo. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. about thirty thousand. 
And the horses are just tremendous. And them kids can flat ride. I mean, they're bronc riders. They just, uh, I, I enjoy watching the TV channel, watch them boys ride. They spur a horse and ride the rank ones. What do you think about that Wright family? Has there ever been a bronc riding family like them? The Ed Bowers was very close. Not as many of them. There was only three of them boys or four. But, gosh, them rights. And every one of them can ride. And just the nicest people you'll ever meet. Ralph, I was curious, a kid getting started back then, how did you practice? Do you get to practice or you just have to learn at the rodeo? We had to just learn at the rodeo. But we had a buck and shoot at home, and my dad would run in all the colts we wanted. And I had two older brothers who was very good broncars. They won South Dakota, and, and they went to IRA. But I, uh, I said, oh, I'm going to try this big outfit. And so that's how we got started in it. What about the judging back then, Ralph? Was was it good or kind of iffy? Or oh, it was good. Everybody was, you know, as far as they could be. But you, they kind of made you earn your stripes. If you know what I mean? Yeah. But uh, no, they was good. It's really good today. I think they've got a lot of good judges, and the, the guy that's running it's Rick Smith. He's He's really good. He understands everything. Everybody respects him. And the judging, is, I think it's good. Yeah. Hey, Ralph, what about the difference in horsepower today and horsepower when you were riding? Was there as many tough broncs back then in one pen as there are, as there are now? No, that's a difference in the whole thing right there. Uh, everybody, all of them... PRCA contractors, they all had four or five good rank ones. But you could go in there and look on the list, see who had them, and you knew who was going to win first to fourth. Because they just, they bucked and them guys could ride. Bill Smith, Sean Davis, John, of course, and I rodeoed against Marty and Winston, Kenny McLean, Mel Highland. You name it, there was a bunch of them. Hey, uh, is there anything to the old wise tale that you want to be up Saturday night? Because that's when they put their best horses out back in the day. That used to be that used to be true. All the they was a save the crowd pleasers for the big performances, and if you didn't draw into one of them, you know you was riding for third and fourth. That's the way it was. But nowadays, every contractor's got 20 head of them good ones. It's just amazing. They went to raising them bucking horses, and it really worked, and it saved the rodeos. Is that because of the breeding program, Ralph, just their breeding bucker, yeah, buckers yeah, to sir. buckers? Yeah, buckers to buckers, breeding them up. And they're, everybody's got a herd of them now. So it's it's really good. They've done that in the bulls, and they've about overdone it. They they can't hardly ride the bulls anymore. 
I'm sorry, I missed that we cut off. Well, I was talking about the bulls. They bred them up to the point where they can't hardly oh, ride them. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah, they, these boys can't ride them, and them back in the old days, I'm sure, would have had problems also. Yeah. Yeah, that, these breeding programs have really it saved rodeos, what it done. Hey, Ralph, you, they used to call you Thunder back in the day. How'd you get that nickname? Hello? Can you hear me? Yeah, I got you now. I'm sorry. We got cut off a little. Hey, your nickname used to be Thunder. How'd you get that nickname, Ralph? Well, where I was born and raised, Sean Davis started calling me that years ago because we lived in a little community right on the Razway. Well, it was 30 miles north of town, and there was a little community called Thunder Butte, and our ranch bordered that little camp there. So Sean started calling me Thunder, and it just stuck. So I didn't mind. It sounded good to me. Could have been a lot worse, couldn't it? Yes, at times it might have been. <laughs> Would you guys be snowed in back there at your ranch all winter long? A lot of times, yeah. I can remember some times that we almost didn't make it home. We was in a team and wagon, and our, we got stuck with that team and wagon. My dad went home, and he walked six miles in the snow deepest to his place. And got two saddle horses, and the neighbor brought one, and they got us out of there and took us home. But we was almost froze up as kids back in them days. We was very fortunate to make it. Did y'all have to? How, how did y'all take care of all them bucking horses you had all winter they, long? They grazed mostly all winter. <laughs> Excuse me. That wind would blow and blow them ridges off, and them horses would travel through there, and the cows we had, they would come along behind and pick up what they missed, and then we fed the cows, but you couldn't feed that many horses back in them days. So they was on the... They made it, you know, 99% of them. Yeah. Did you have to eat a lot of antelope back then when you was a kid, Ralph? A lot of antelope and deer. I've heard people say they ate so much antelope up in that country that they're sick of it. Wasn't very good now. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's all good if you take care of it, right? Yeah. But we had a lot of deer on them big cracks and stuff and, and a lot of antelope. And we had... You know, if we needed to, we'd butcher our own beef. Hung them in the outside cellar. We had a big cellar. We'd hang our meat in them days. Did you ever go to the big buck and horse sale in Mile City, Montana? When I just had a very good time. I don't think I won anything. But I rode quite a few horses and got paid for that. We got enough to get out of town anyways. But yeah, I enjoyed going to that. We go back once in a while just to 
go see the old days. It's a lot different now, but it's still a good Buccaneer sale, one of the best. Ralph, has the equipment changed a lot nowadays from what it was when Not you... Not so much. They, they've raised the, the swells up quite a bit, but it still meets all the standard rules and everything. Because them judges are trained to check them saddles and stuff. But that's the only thing that's really changed much. And the bareback riggings, you know, they used to ride that loose. Just just an old rag, actually. But them guys could ride them bucking horses with that. Mm -hmm. It was just amazing to me to watch them ride like that. But the gray ones, like Joe Alexander, for just for instance, he... He can ride him with anything. Right. He's one of the best. So Alexander the Great, we called him. Right, right. Did you try any bareback riding or just strictly saddle bronc? You know, I rode barebacks in high school, little britches, but I, I, I just couldn't ride them. I was all over them. I could hang on to them, but uh, I just couldn't. I didn't know how to ride them. I was wanting to be a bronc rider and didn't try it much. Did you get on any bulls? Oh, yeah, I rode a lot of bulls. I could ride bulls pretty good. I won the Little Britches bull riding one year, won the all-around, won the bronc riding and the bull riding and fourth in the bulldog. <laughs> all around. I was at about 110 pounds. I think it took me two minutes and 40 seconds, and that flight man finally told me, what to do because he was getting tired of watching me drug around there but he told me what to do and I finally got that steer down <laughs> and it helped me win the all around Did you rodeo up in Canada very much? Yeah, quite a bit I met Wayne Gold the first year I went to finals met Harry when I was about 16 up in Canada the greatest people in the world, just the nicest, nice table of Wayne a lot. I used to work for Harry a little bit growing up, Jimbo. I'd untie calves, run the rope and shoot, um, and run and uh, strip the bucking horses. Had a few rodeos. Yeah, we've for... done a whole lot of some of these rodeos. Boy, how how and do you... enjoy doing that. <laughs> Oh, Harry, he enjoyed watching a bucking horse buck just about more than anybody I ever saw. That was his whole... He he loved that more than anything, to have a good bucking horse, and Harry had a lot of them. He had some great ones, and Wayne raises a lot of good ones now, too. He's putting on a lot of rodeos. But there's great friends and great people. What was the difference in rodeoing up in Canada and rodeoing down here in the, uh, the horses, they had a lot more than big stout bucking horses than we ever had. One year at Calgary, everybody had to get on a big wild one. You could hear them horses coming for damn near the mile. They were coming down that chute, just rattle, rattle, but there wasn't no iron chutes and stuff like that. It was all wooden chutes. But you could hear them big old horses coming. That was a quite a bronc riding, I'll tell you. What about Larry Mahan, uh, Ralph? You wrote, wrote against him a lot. What kind of guy was he? And 
One of the greatest guys I ever met. Flew a lot with him. And once I got started then, he helped me pay my fees sometimes. He was a great guy and a very good friend. We miss him big time. He did a lot for, he was a good ambassador for rodeo, wasn't he? One of the best. Yeah, sometimes us cowboys thought he dressed a little weird, but nowadays you look and the hell, he knew what he was doing 40 years ago. He was ahead of his time, wasn't he? Yes, he was, and just promoted rodeo and people. He's just done it all for rodeo. One of the greatest guys that I ever met in my life. Did you have any serious injuries, Ralph? Yeah, I had some big-time knee problems later on in years. I had to drain it seven times. Uh, just pop up big and couldn't ride for two or three months. But they would go in and drain that knee. And uh, they got me back going, but it had uh, got to where I couldn't really use it that good. I'm still, I have never had it operated on and not going to. It's just the way it is. You weren't doing those flying dismounts where you hurt that knee? Never done that and cost everybody that did. <laughs> <laughs> I said, you're crazy. You have a knee like I've got. You would never do that. No. I said, you keep doing it and you're going to have one. <laughs> mm-hmm. You flew in airplanes quite a bit. Did you ever have any uh, hairy airplane experiences with any of these cowboy pilots? Well, a few, but nothing serious. We got through everything. We almost got a couple fences, and me and another guy flew into Canada one time, and the fog come in. Pretty soon we was down over a river, and that's all we could do was fly through that big canyon. It was pretty spooky. Boy, it would be for me. Yeah, yeah. I'd rather walk to the rodeo and get in an airplane with some cowboy. If I could have got out, I would have walked. (laughs) (laughs) What was was the atmosphere like at the National Finals Rodeo in Oklahoma City? Oh, it was tremendous. There was, you know, they drew a lot of people there and everybody, everybody just treated you so good. Uh, People was, they're still the same today. But them people back then, they respected you and took care of you and was friends to everybody. But it's still the same way, you know. I mean, it's it's good. Did you did you ride at Los Angeles once in the finals? No, I didn't. I never went till 1965. I was 19. They had the first finals in Oklahoma City. What do you think when you watch the NFR today and, and all the money and the pageantry and everything that goes along with it out there in Vegas? Well, I was glad I was part of it back when I could, but I would love to be able to rodeo today. Yeah. All that money they got and uh, people are still the same, you know. Everybody loves a cowboy. And uh, it was back just like it was in the old days, only now they're – they got them good horses, 
seems like everybody's got one in the draw, and the money is tremendous. Yeah, it is. Do you watch the Cowboy Channel much? All the time. Yeah, I watch a lot of rodeos. What do you think about the new rodeo with the no average and just one-headers and that type deal? One-headers, I always loved one-headers because you have a short round, you got to win the rodeo twice. If you win the lead, you won that one. Then you got to come back and do it again to get an average check. I like the one-headers. Yeah. If you were, uh, Ralph, if you were making a Mount Rushmore Bronc Riders, who would you put on your Mount Rushmore? Need four names. Who would I put on my team? Yeah, well, you know Mount Rushmore with the presidents on it. If you were making one for Bronc Riders, who would you put on that Mount Rushmore? I guess the four they got up there. I've only seen it once when I was a kid. But I'm talking about put put bronc riders on your Mount Rushmore. Who would you put on? Oh man, I would. Yeah, with saddle bronc riders. Yeah, saddle bronc riders. John Davis, Bill Smith, Mayhem. Geez, you could go on and name. You know, Kenny McLean, Winston Bruce was one of the classiest bronc riders I ever seen, and I stood up to them guys. I I just would. They was very good friends, everyone of Mel Highland, Marty Wood. Them was the guys I had to rodeo against. But we never thought nothing about it, just whoever dropped the best one. How would those guys fare today in today's rodeo, you think, Ralph? They would ride just as good. It would take some changing when they're riding, of course, back then. But now them kids are just tremendous bronc riders. And there's a there's not only 10 of them, there's 20, 30 of them that are just bronc-riding rascals. You know, Jimbo, it always seemed like bronc-riders, they were always wearing a good hat and nice clothes, and it seemed like they always had a, they always looked good headed into the rodeos. Is that right, <laughs> Ralph? Well, we tried. We tried. When I first was going, Sean Davis was a, I stayed with Sean and rodeoed with him a lot. He would give me a new hat and a new pair of boots and Wranglers, and he kept me dressed up and cleaned up. <laughs> it just seemed like the, the bronc riders look, look a lot more cleaner than the bareback riders and the bull riders and stuff at the end of the day. Looks like they're just uh, sharper-dressed guys. I just wonder if that has something to do with what the judges were looking for back then. No, them judges was taught one thing and that was to watch the spur ride make sure you spurred them out and watch your spur ride and that hadn't changed much you know nowadays a lot of the bronc riders are pretty small were that were they bigger back then or uh was it no it was about the same deal yeah hey ralph uh what got you down to new mexico you know, back in the old days when I'd win some money, I would drive through New Mexico, and I met some people down there that was selling turquoise Indian jewelry. And I kept buying from them. And I won Phoenix one year on descent. It was a one-header. Paid me $2,800, and back then that was a ton of money. 
Well, I took all of that, 2,600 of it I took, and went to New Mexico and bought Indian jewelry and would sell it all over the, you know, every rodeo I'd pull up and open my trunk. People would just come running and sales just tremendous sales, and that helped me get down the road big time. You know, Jimbo, how we're how I've opened a jewelry store now, and now we're like the largest turquoise jewelry store in the whole state of Oklahoma over at the Buck and Flamingo. I can actually thank our whole business to to Mr. Ralph right here. He called, I called him, and uh, I mentioned a friend of his name, uh, old Clint Martin. He said, just mention my name and Ralph will help you out. And I'll be darned, I, I mentioned Clint's name to Ralph, and and uh, Ralph just bent over backwards to help me out that day, and and the rest is history, Jimbo. And I, I do owe everything that, that we have today indirectly to Ralph right here, no doubt about it. I know, and you've told me that before, not just today. You've told me that before, so. Yep. Thank you, yeah, Ralph. I sure appreciate you, sir. Yes, yeah, sir, and thank you. Them guys still remember I was over there the other day, and they asked about my friends from Oklahoma, and I said, hell, they're doing good. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. They're really happy that you come to them. And of course, you trade a lot of different places also, but... Yes, sir. I, I just appreciate you helping me get started in the right direction. No doubt about it. What got you in the belt buckle business? You make a whole bunch of uh, trophy belt buckles. I think that maybe your daughter's running the business now, but y'all are still in business. Maynard Buckles. What got you in the belt buckle making business? Jewelry business kind of slowed down after about seven years. We had a tremendous run on it. But I uh, put together a little rodeo string, and I would need to order some buckles for a rodeo. So I called this old friend of mine that rodeoed and, and uh, ordered. He said, well, it'd be four months before I could deliver them. So I just went out and got some of my old silversmiths, showed them some buckles I'd won, and they said, oh, yeah, no problem. They went to work on them. And that's where I started the buckle company in the little shed out back of my house. About and how many? Said that, I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to cut you off there, Ralph. No, that's fine. Yeah, but it built into a tremendous business for me, and uh, well, just like the turquoise business. When we started it, we had like 10 silversmiths, and two years later, we was working 540 silversmiths building that handmade jewelry, and the buckle business was about the same deal. I made some different buckles, and my wife, I come home one night, she had designed a new buckle, and she said, you got to make this. I said, oh, no, I can't do that. I don't want to mess with it. So I... She went down and had it made, and it became one of our best sellers. It was copper, silver, and jeweler's gold. And some would order just 10-karat gold, gold overlay. But, boy, that combination worked, and it was all her dealings. <laughs> How many different buckle styles do you all offer now, Ralph? I don't know. We've got probably... 30 or 40 different styles, shapes, and sizes, and 
you never know what people are going to want, but it's a price range, and we fit them into whatever they need. We guarantee your product, and everything, if something breaks down or loses ruby or a stone, we fix it. No problem. It's been tremendous business for us. Yeah, if anybody needs a good buckle made for their rodeo, jackpot, junior rodeo, just a buckle just that you've been thinking about that you want made, they'll they'll make that for you too. Be sure and get a hold of Maynard Buckles. Where are y'all out of now, Ralph? Through New Mexico. T-H-O-R-E-A-U. I'm glad you said it because I would have never <laughs> been able to read that. Yeah, it's through. Yes, sir. And, uh, a little too they're right there on the internet Maynard Buckles Buckles. get you one get you ten of them they can make you a hundred of them it doesn't matter and they'll be a good price and a quality product yes yeah hey what was your favorite rodeos to hit every year that you looked so forward to going to every year oh Cheyenne was one of them and I still got that buckle from there Treasure it dearly. Salinas, I won it twice. Phoenix, I won two or three times. What was it? But them was just tremendous. For Napa, Idaho, I always loved Napa for some reason. I done good there. I won two or three of them silver platters. But I like those big rodeos like that. Cheyenne and Salinas, that's two of the most iconic rodeo buckles in the whole in the whole business. For sure. Yes, it is. And I was fortunate to get a couple of Jimbo's granddad, he won Cheyenne. My dad won Cheyenne, and you won Cheyenne. So we all have a and Jimbo's <laughs> uncle won Cheyenne. <laughs> we uh we all have a common connection there with the with the old daddy. Yeah, it's one of the greatest there ever is and will be. Yeah, I always I always just got a special feeling, you know, when I'd step foot on a rodeo grounds like that, just knowing I was on hollowed ground. For sure. Some just something special about it. Just a big special rodeo is what it was. We just loved going there. We just worked Napa, Salinas, Salt Lake, Ogden, and head for Cheyenne. And everybody was pleased to get there and just happy as could be. Would everybody, would you just see everybody, all your old friends, they'd all be right there at Cheyenne? Is that what made it so popular? Yeah, no, it was a big rodeo, guaranteed money in, and paid good. It was just a tremendous place to go. And usually uh, all the good horses Harry Bold brings, and he would come all the way from Canada and put that on. Later on, he bought a ranch at Fowler, Colorado, and rodeoed out of there. But it was just great in Cheyenne frontier days. Did you ever go to the hitching post there? Probably went a couple times if they served a cold one. <laughs> that was one time old. we was walking in there, me and my wife. I was packing my saddle, and she said, Ralph, there's some noise. There's something's wrong. And we was walking by the bullpen. I said, maybe one of them bulls is out. No, she said, something else. All of a sudden, a goddamn parachute 
people standing about 10 feet from us. Their chute covered us up. (laughs) (laughs) We drifted down the trail and got out of the parachute range. (laughs) Well, holy moly. That's a great one right there. Yeah, that is. Ralph, what are you doing nowadays? You know, I got a place over here and I uh, irrigate and put up hay and and just keep busy. I'm 78 now and I'm doing great. I'm doing great. Sounds like you spend some of your care. some of your time chasing around that your wife's dog. Yeah, I had to run him down this morning. She finally caught him. Spot him, but it was my fault he got out. <laughs> I'm still hearing about it. <laughs> well, Mr. Thunder, we sure appreciate you coming on. You got anything else for him, Jimbo? No, just thank him for coming on and wish him luck and, and thanks for the old stories and reliving some of that history back there with all them great bronc riders in the 60s. Love it. Yeah, he was some of the best there ever was and the best friends you could ever meet. And those that was my friends back then and still are, wish there was all here. But if you ever need any buckles, it's on the Internet, too. Sales at MaynardBuckles.com. Everybody hear that? Get your buckles now. MaynardBuckles.com. Well, Ralph, thank you so much for taking some time out of your day to talk to me and Jimbo. Thank you guys so much. And I tell you what, that. Tell everybody hello out there, and we'll see you down the trail. Thank you. Thank you, Ralph. I'll be talking to you soon. Thanks, Ralph. Okay. Yep. Thank you, Jim. Bye. Bye. See you later. Ooh, Jimbo, that was a great one, wasn't it? Very good. I really, really enjoyed it. It got a little shaky right there. It sounded like he might have been walking around the house to some dead areas or something. Yeah, yeah. Hard to say. You know, that's a long ways for connection, New Mexico. It's a lot like connecting to the International yeah, Space Station right, or something. Right. There's not much out there. Remember that time we somehow we connected with uh, Troy Tillard mm-hmm. on the computer and we could see his face and think he could see our face. Yeah, and That's just magic. We didn't think he was going to work, and then all of a sudden it all started working and it kind of got a little blurry at first, and then it all cleared up. But Right. But anyway... Everybody be sure and like, share, throw a comment, tell everybody about it. Me and Jimbo is just trying to keep this old rodeo history alive and Western history alive. And uh, call the museum, get you one of Jimbo's CDs. He's got two songs on it. He wrote original songs right by Jimbo, sung by Oklahoma Mike. So do that, and hey, we'll see you all next week. Thanks, everybody. Old stories like long lost friends Rodeos and late night bends History before our time Round pens and pasture rides Cowboys of the Osage